0: As we start, uh, welcome to Conversations with Khotane. Um, for finance today, I'm joined by Super Mabaso, who's an HR specialist, business consultant, etc. Logistics, all the industry that, that all the uh, money-generating industries you could potentially think of. He's there, and today we'll be talking about navigating—not um, really just navigating, but thriving in the modern workplace and what the modern workplace looks like for young professionals, people who are transitioning, and obviously the seasoned baby boomers and so on. So, uh, Super, just introduce yourself. What is it that you do and
1: how long have you been in hr true sure. um so an hr professional uh, i always struggle with the terminology because depending on who you work for uh, that keeps changing um but yeah hr professional and i've been in the industry for just over 10 years now um had moments of wanting to leave the space but uh, it keeps calling me back um so worked as you've highlighted i've worked in uh, the fmcg space i've worked in the media space in the production space and currently in the consulting space um, and management consulting space so i've touched multiple industries just to make sure that i can stress stretch my skills
0: i love that and um when you compare because it's it's same concept but different industries when it comes to the workforce i'm sure some are more lax especially within media it's very fun i guess and a little bit more stressful not so organized sometimes organized and then you have a more business structured um enterprise that you're planning so what's what differences have you noticed
1: so it's it's a weird space right so when you go to a manufacturing space um Mm -hmm. you get the unionized environment and there's a lot of interaction between uh, the union and yourself versus you interacting directly with people so when people don't agree with you they tell you okay take it up with our union and that makes it challenging and the complexity there lies in the fact that you've got a bi- the bargaining unit which is spoken for by the union and you've got mm-hmm. senior people in the same context who you yes. then have to engage with um, directly um the if i go to the media space completely different however the challenge is now you're engaging with people who know what they want who tell you about what they see in other countries who tell you about what the other organizations are doing and you then have to try and navigate conversations around that with the management consulting space what i found interesting is that when i came on board first month i thought it would be an easy ride because hey the most uneducated person in there has a three-year degree right and then um, then it, it 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 will build up from that to whoever has a doctorate or phd um however the people dynamics are even more complex Uh, because uh, it's people from different spaces. Everybody thinks they know, everybody has done research on a topic. So trying to engage with such people is not so easy, Uh, but I must say the most fascinating from all the industries that I've operated in.
0: Interesting. I think um, I also want to understand pre-COVID and during COVID, post-COVID, so many changes within the past 10 years in which you've been an hr professional um, how have you seen things transcending or even digressing in terms of how um, people within the workplace are being treated or just the general workplace setup yeah
1: i think the biggest thing is many of the things that we're seeing now were things that were already spoken of, right so they were already trending topics um, even though it was not easy to implement if you look at flexible working for example it's a conversation that spans pre-2010 and we were trying to build on that and we were saying no it's not possible yes it's possible and COVID just shocked us and said hey this thing is very much possible um, so pre-COVID, I think we were doing a lot of research, We looking at trends from other uh, countries, and as Africa, we were then lagging, right? So based on, be it what the, U- the UK is doing, what the US is doing. But what I found during COVID, we were forced to be on par, uh, but also taking into account what's unique to us. Um, and COVID forced us to get into a place that said, what works for us so we can't just adopt a model that the u.s is enforcing on us or what europe is enforcing on us so it forced us to then contain ourselves and say hey what works for our people Um, and i think it was a great opportunity for us in terms of reading up more on different topics fast checking what we already knew um, from an employee engagement point of view and post covid i think there's a The one element that shocked us would have been employee wellness. Um, I think it's something that we already knew of. It's something that we were already speaking of. But what COVID did is that it got us into a mode where we were taking care of people that were experiencing COVID directly impacted Mm -hmm. through their families. But post-COVID then you found such as the Great Resignations, Uh, Great Resignation, the the new generation saying, actually, I want meaning. So they got onto the job market and just after getting into the job market, they were like, nope, screw this. This is not what I want to do. I want meaning in life. Um, And we are in the process where we are now trying to navigate that. So the competition for talent is no longer just between organizations, but you're also competing with people that are saying, actually, I want to live and not just work. Um, and yeah. that's that, That's the space we're now trying to navigate.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's also very interesting how you set the premise of the, I guess, the really educated and um, the employee who knows what they want and is not necessarily desperate for the job. And yes. we see that a lot within, I think, maybe millennials, mostly Gen Z within the workplace who don't want to get that long service award.
1: Yeah, no. It's <laughs> <So we're> not big of an achievement anymore. <laughs>
0: so, and human so i think it's interesting but when we really talk about the modern workplace what what does that look like i know issues of race um always arise when we talk about um gender equality neutrality and so on so when we talk about the modern workplace what are we talking about so you know mental health but also trying to get the job done as well help us yeah. understand the premise of what this modern workplace looks like especially within the african context
1: it's true. And I must say, the African context has taken what the world is working with. Uh, but I'd say mm, one big thing in the modern work working environment is the pace of change. There's a whole lot of things that are changing every other day. Um, I mean, in the last couple of months, we're now talking of AI and how people can just go onto a chatbot and ask a question and present. Who will be that work? As your own report. So there's the pace of change that we're seeing, and things don't remain the same for the longest time. So it's us trying to keep up with that. Um, and that's not just on technology, it's just how we do things. It's the work life balance, which was a topic pre uh, COVID, um, but has even become a more important conversation now, um, because what we're seeing now is people saying, hey, actually, I want to go pick up my child um, at 1 p.m., I'll finish this later. And how we navigate around that, I know pre-COVID, we were having those conversations around women because we were trying to engage women, but that scope has now increased longer just about um, women, but it's just around employees in totality um the other element is just around diversity and inclusion um back in my days while i was still in varsity diversity was already a conversation and a hot topic but what has been added to it now is the concept of inclusion um so it's no longer just about you know making sure that you've got people of the same of different races different genders Um, now we're talking of sexual orientation we're talking of the different tribes and how we navigate that because we now know we operate in a global economy. Um, You've got people in South Africa working for the US, you've got people moving around and for us to navigate that exchange of talent, you then need to understand the concept of diversity and inclusion. In South Africa, again, not a new topic, but the inclusion portion is very critical Mm -hmm. because I think we started it in Africa from a basis of our history, Triple B specific, specifically from a regulation point of view forced us to be diverse, um, but it did not indulge us on the inclusivity point of view. And that is where we then share the commonalities with the other countries around, how do we make sure that women do not feel estranged in this environment? How do we make sure that a millennial walks into the space and sees mentors and people that they can look up to from the moment they walk in? and that is a very hot topic in the modern environment and i think the other one is just around meaning um like we said you know generation z's are walking in and saying "Mm, i don't think i want to do this for the next 40 years it does not talk to who i am and i think they are fortunate in that most of them still have the opportunity to fall back on their parents and therefore they are exploring whatever it is that they can explore right um so it's no longer just about job security more than it is about do i want to do this for the rest of my life and if not why am i doing it now and the concept of being a new talent and keeping it becomes very challenging um, in the modern environment because i have to do my research on this but i think this is the most diverse we've had we've been from a generation uh, point of view, right? You still have your late bloomers leading some of these organizations that we work for. You've got millennials that are finding themselves right in the middle and you've got Gen Zs jumping into this environment. So you've got three generations with three three different influences all together. Um, and we have to navigate that space and make it meaningful for all three. Yeah.
0: yeah. And speaking of, how do you even coexist in such a multi-generational Um, and dynamic workspace like that. Uh, One believes that you should send an email, the other believes that let's have a physical meeting. And just that loggerheads part (laughs) and then you have one who doesn't want to be there at all and doesn't know why they are where they are. (laughs) So,
1: so what I always try and advise leaders is to break it down, right? So there's a reason why a an organization with 10,000 employees has multiple segments or multiple departments. Oh. And within that department, sometimes depending on the size, you've got smaller teams. So the advice to leaders is always within your team, figure out what works for your team. Um, So it's not just about what works for the grand organization, but figure out what works for your team. And at times I remind leaders that there's a reason why you are paid more than your employees. So you have to uh, blend yourself within five different personalities, but I'm not going to expect the most junior employee to be able to, to, to navigate your personality as a leader. Um, So it's mainly working through those teams checking what works for your team and making sure that it thrives within that space
0: yeah and i think maybe sometimes with young talent trying to throw them into an organization or a system that's a non-starter for them because they have not had exposure to a system like that What? They're learning in school what they're seeing in media is very different now online and so on and especially with the standard of maybe western or european workplace standards i mean they are thrown into a system that they thought was modern but really isn't they're still using um you know instead of in the cloud they're using back in the day storage um, formats so how does a young professional really kind of throw, not really try to set those boundaries of this is what i can do and this is what i can't do this is what you said I, ca- I should be doing but you're giving me more than i should so how do they navigate that
1: i think the, the biggest thing is understanding the, the space that you find yourself in right? look for a mm-hmm. bank there's a reason why certain structures are the way they are be it for security purposes to meet client needs and so forth so there will always be restrictions in terms of how we get to work however can do is in understand what the purpose and outcome is and in that understanding then you can maybe navigate the idea of being creative around how you can deliver um, because the output must still be the same right so if you're selling if if you're selling chocolate as nestle the aim is to still to get the chocolate out there how we do it we can navigate around it and we just need to then be as young people then be creative around the ways in which we do it, but you sell it by first understanding um mm. what the main organization's aim is. Um because yeah, if you want us to be on TikTok, convince us why we need to be on TikTok. <laughs> we, we're not thinking about a corporate within a TikTok environment, but how does it lead to us, you know, getting the product out there? Um, and that's what becomes very important
0: yeah i had a conversation um with an executive back home and um i was asking her what her relationship is with uh one of you know some of the juniors that are coming through and she said well they sort of with some excitement and then they transition to not feeling like they're able to do anything or they know what they're doing and they're just doing what they're told and doing just enough because they're seeing that if you go over and above you're going to be given more work <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, okay. and, and and that's the truth yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. what i've heard it's so, called uh performance punishment i concept so, i'm not familiar so, so with. I,
1: th- I think that's yeah actually I, yeah you know and it's probably from the uk because they always come up with these terminologies but what <laughs> the young ones would be doing would be what we now know as quiet quitting right where you mm-hmm. do what you are paid to and nothing extra um so and it's difficult to pick up because you're still delivering you're still doing what you ex what's expected of you um the one part that i wanted to touch on around what the expectations are this is um what we find ourselves in so i did my thesis on entrepreneurial thinking and looking at opportunities around you know how do we still remain creative within the work environment Initially, the intention is how to get uh, employees to be more entrepreneurial. But as you page through the different articles, one of the things that I found is that usually when we start organizations and think of it this way, right? When you start an organization and it's just the two of you, there's all the flexibility, all creative juices are flowing because the aim is just to get money. So if you're going to work on your phone, if you're going to work on your laptop, we don't care. When you move to 20 employees, you still have an essence of flexibility and you still want people to be quite entrepreneurial and bring in the business. But the moment we jump to about a hundred employees and you are the leader of that organization, it then becomes difficult for you to monitor everyone. What we then do with all organizations is that we start putting processes and policies in place. Now imagine you then get to a thousand and the process for you to buy a stapler says you must first write an email you know <laughs> whereas when there was just five of you there was there's no issue right i need a stapler hey go buy it but when there's a thousand employees because you don't want five people buying five staplers on the same day you've now created systems and processes but when a new employee comes on board they, they find that to be quite stifling they're like I actually needed this but for me to get a staple I needed to send two emails that's time-wasting and what it then forces us to do is to then think around why do we have some of these processes in place and which of these can we do without as long as we still get the chocolate out right so the aim of the business remains primary but the ways in which we go about doing this is what the Gen Z's are hoping for they're saying fine i hear that we need to get the product out but can we just be more creative around how we do it i don't want to walk in sit in front of a laptop the whole day um, there are days where right. i just feel like i'm useless yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah. it's not always easy for corporates to provide that if you want that at 80 percent to 100 percent of the time i'd advise people to then work for startups um, but because big corporates thrive on processes and that's the reason why a lot of the times you'd find innovation stemming from the smaller organizations. Case in point, what is happening in Africa and across the globe, you've got the likes of MTA and Vodacom, all these telenetworks who, by essence, because they provide uh, airtime and data, they should have thought of fiber, right? But given their size, they they yeah. can't. And I promise you, chances are one of the employees thought of it but fiber was thought of by a startup organization when these startup organizations start to grow a Vodacom buys them out and mtn buys them out and that's how these companies pick themselves up because innovation thrives in your startups corporates thrive on processes Um, so if you are keen on being an accountant and being creative don't go into a big corporate, <laughs> go into a startup. Because <laughs>
0: so an so ac- interesting. Because an accountant in so a big
1: corporate is just, to, their yeah. role would be to follow processes.
0: It's interesting because I'm also realizing and having an appreciation of the incoming workforce or the juniors um, is that they somewhat make or force, not only force, but compel um, organizations, especially those that are fully established to be accountable yes. for the processes yes. and to be able to justify, we, especially these organizations that call a lot for innovation, we speak of innovation and so on, but when you see the processes, they're like, this is not innovative, look at, no. your, <laughs> look <laughs> at your model, you know, um, justify what you're doing, what is your workforce ROI, um, yes. how do you justify the things that you're doing? And-
1: and that's the thing because if it's a small organization it's easy for us to be innovative but with more than a hundred employees it's tough the only way a ceo can keep an eye on everybody is through processes it's you buy this through this process you do this through this process that way he can consolidate his reports and say we are doing well (laughs) um
0: (laughs) That's that's terrible um i just Tell me this though, uh, the reason I had reached out to you was because I saw that you were interviewed on um, work um, workplace boundaries and how to set those boundaries. And I was actually fascinated by this particular topic because how do you set a boundary when you're still trying to keep your job? Yes. <laughs> what does that even mean? It sounds, you know, it sounds like something fictional. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a real thing where, like you said, people are actually now not even just the Gen Z and millennials, but people are now you know, saying, okay, but my health matters. Yeah. Um, there's a very painful story of a friend of mine told me where you know her aunt worked so several hours was because they were so passionate about the job as well. And then it led to um, really detrimental health effects on her. Mm-hmm. So you have these people who are trying to set these boundaries, want to keep their jobs. It's just very complicated. So what does setting your boundaries look like within the workplace?
1: Um, And how do you go about doing that? I think the premise that I'd like to set in answering this uh, question is just around the basis of many of our contracts. Right. So the employment contract stipulates you will provide these services um, for working these specific hours and I will pay you a salary. right? Um, And that's that's, that's the premise. So it's a contractual obligation. Um, And we must always remember that because I think sometimes when people ask for flexibility or when they ask for all these nice things, they forget what they signed up for. So you've got this contractual obligation, but when it comes to boundaries, I think there's also, it depends on what you want to do with your career as well, where you are in life. Um, There's others that are very basic to set right from the onset. For example, with personal space, something that I practice particularly around women, because with men, we already know our space and our get. But when I see any female colleague, whether I'm meeting them for the first time or there's already a relationship that's built, when I greet them and there has to be contact, I extend my hand first, right? I don't want to assume that I'm going to hug you because I understand there's a personal space thing um, and some people don't feel um, good about that. So if you are a person that does not like your personal space being infringed, when you're approached by a colleague or a client, extend your hand. That way they know you're not asking for a hug. So that's you communicating a boundary already around physical space. The other ones that you can do is just around personal time and your working hours here using professional language you can you can <laughs> you can bounce it off and say to a person for example uh, if something is handed to you and the expectation is that you're going to work long hours you can stipulate and say listen I knock off at 5 p.m. but tomorrow first thing in the morning I'm going to get I'm going to get to it what you are saying is I want to do it and I am going to do it, but I'm not about to do it now, right? (laughs) Uh, Versus leaving it at, I can't do it and knock off at five, because there's a difference, right? Um, if If you highlight that you're still going to do it and you prioritize it, then it's good. The other way of doing it is when a person gives you work is asking, when do you expect it to be returned to you? And if they give you a deadline that you won't be able to meet, say it up front. Listen, I'm working on two, three, and four. I won't be able to give it to you when you need it. Can I give it to you on this specific date? And at least you're leaving room to negotiate versus just taking and taking and taking. And then you say you are swamped because the truth is sometimes leaders are oblivious to the amount of work that we have. And if we don't communicate it backwards, then we are going to keep on taking. So clearly just asking what the deadline is and indicating that i'm not just sitting i'm working on four other projects can i please give it to you on this specific date then you've set a boundary right there right so you're not going mm. to sleep because you promised that you're going to do it tomorrow when you knew that you uh, that you could not do it the i'm trying to think of the other boundary so personal and private conversations so i only see on social That's media with <laughs> i only see on social media people saying listen your colleagues are not your friends um and that's true right unless of course if it has evolved Mm -hmm. but be aware that the friendship happens after hours not during office hours your colleagues are not your friends however that does not stop us from being friendly so a lot of the times people will avoid the coffee station you know because that's where all the fun talks happen so you know i'm the serious guy i'm just gonna go to my laptop and sit the idea is be careful what you share um so don't overshare um if it has nothing to do with work it's okay to say yo i was work. i was watching man united um i was so uh, you know, irritated at the fact that they missed that goal. The personal touch here is that you are a Man United fan, and that's all we need to know. Where you hang out and what you do—you know—we don't have to to know that. We don't have to share all those elements. But in an in, a, in an effort to be friendly and to be relatable, we can share some of these generic elements. You know, um, did you guys see the accident on the N1? You know, those are things that we can speak about um, by the coffee station not your private life, not your kids, um, all of those elements. And depending on how much you share, people will generally pick up on that and they will know what oh. they can ask of you and what they can't ask of you, right? Cause you're friendly, but actually we don't know much about this person. Uh, you've already set a boundary. But also, you just need to be able to return the favor, right? So you're also not asking personal questions because, of course, the easiest thing to do is what about is the next person to ask, what about you? And you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and,
0: yeah. and, and,
1: and you then open the floor. The other one, which, and I know every person has this, these people in the office, is around gossip and talking ill of other people. So if you mm-hmm. find yourself in a group setting and they're starting to gossip, be it about your, the manager or any other person, walk away. Uh, every time you do that, somebody's going to pick up that, you know what, actually, every time we skin up about this person, people we'll walks away. Um, and people will pick up that, oh, this one does not like gossip. This one always loves serious conversations. And that's okay. That's, that's who you are. So it's acting accordingly it's uh, being friendly but not oversharing um the last thing you want because uh, people say you must be direct in you're being direct remain approachable like i said mm. i can't do it today but i can do it on friday right versus sorry i can't do it today i've got too much work uh what you are saying to me is that i must never approach you for work but when mm. you tell me that i can't do it today but i'll do it on a particular day you are leaving room for me to still come talk to you in the future especially if you want to grow within your career because you want people to know they can rely on you and i really I, like that. and i hope that and I, and I hope that covers many of these other uh, you know boundaries because there can be so many right? <laughs>
0: They can be, and I think, you know, as a, and I will confess, as a former or recovering people pleaser, it's very hard to, one, not yeah. overdo things to help the next person. Yeah. Um, number two, to not overshare, just on the basis that I, you know, that if you generally have a warm personality, yeah. you, it's really difficult to kind of just hold yourself back and kind of walk on eggshells. but then again, it is a professional space, and being reminded um, by the fact that you need to know your role in that job, the role of other people as well, and where you extend grace and where you need to hold your peace. So I think it's something worth practicing um, in any environment, whether it's inside the workplace or even outside. Uh, We have a question now from the audience and I'll get to the rest of my questions. Uh, The question is, how would you handle confidentiality in the workplace?
1: Sure. So because I'm because I'm in HR I'm expected to <laughs> keep everything confidential um, so if anything is shared with me the expectation is that it remains confidential and what I tend to do is that if it's something that I think it's worth sharing with your manager I will tell you however I'm also careful on how I present it to your seniors right so i won't necessarily share the whole thing but i might help you convey con- convey the fact that you're going through something or you know there's something but i'll always um, seek permission by highlighting the fact that it is important that your leader knows of this um, so that's if I'm uh, i'm given confidential information right or something that i'm not meant to share if you are intending to share with a colleague i'd also say test your waters first right so uh, if you really need to speak and you know that this person does not hold a position that allows them to keep things confidential and you've not tested your relationship with them give them bits of information and share see how they react and see how they take this whole thing this is just going full blown out on your personal information um, because they don't have the duty to keep things confidential my role Mm. allows me to have the duty to protect you as an employee um, but also to seek to help you Um, so everything i do is out of the interest of trying to help you and therefore the organization in its entirety Um, so first preference share with your hr and hopefully your hr person is people that you can trust if not leaders or a senior person that sits in another environment if you've got access to them um yeah so i'm just trying to think of the context from which that question could stem from um because like i said if it comes to me i know what to do with it and i would not (laughs) go out there but it also depends on who you're intending to share the information with Um,
0: and should that information be leaked, um i think Especially like with the example that the lady who asked the question was saying that you know maybe she has a private family obligation and then the next day she hears her employees talking about it. Um, I think uh, you know I'm wondering mm-hmm. is it best to speak up in that case because you don't want to set the premise of oh this one when she tells this person they all yes. talk and you can walk all over her.
1: I think in that, that premise definitely. So if mm-hmm. you, you know who you told the information to i'd say address it with that person i think by the time people are skinnering about it it's out of control and there's nothing you can do about it but definitely approach the person that that you would have shared the information with and tell them that listen i shared this with you in confidence and now i'm hearing people talk about it and i do not appreciate my uh, private information or personal circumstances being shared with the rest of the office um and in the future and again and the element of in the future is always setting the premise that i'm still here uh we are still <laughs> expected to be cordial uh exactly. so it's outright stating out that, listen, I don't appreciate what you did. Um, Does not sit well with me. It's not something I would do if you were to share information with me. And I prefer and appreciate that in the future, when I share something with you, you do not share it with everybody else, lest I start lying to you, right? Um, So, and that's what people end up doing. So, you know, you've got something private that you need to do and you tell your line manager a different story because of such experiences um but i think it's important for us to be able to first communicate how unhappy we are if it does not work out then you can resort to other means
0: Mm. um earlier we talked about setting boundaries and how do you especially you know with your superior in terms of setting those boundaries without seeming like you're not loyal to the organization and there's some sort of loyalty and i guess a bit of a cult loyal bond that you should have towards this particular organization and i guess maybe perhaps false um, promises of in the future you could be executive you could get a raise you could do this so i mean with those things in mind especially not wanting to be seen as a person who thinks that they are better than everyone because they're setting those boundaries um how do you really psych yourself up mentally because it is important for you to um, set the premise of how people will treat you
1: no, know, certainly, um, and it, it goes back to what I was saying around, you say what you need to say, but definitely ended with indicating that you are still here and you're still committed. Something very light, for example, that I've experienced where, um, so I almost said I went to HR, but yeah, I took <laughs> a, so <laughs> what happened was I, I. I had bought a new car. Um, And for me to get access to my petrol card, I needed to submit it to payroll. So I go to my payroll lady and I say, hey, please load my car, this is a new car. And she says, "Oh, you bought a new car. That's very nice, that's great. And I'm like, oh, thank you very much. Please process this and I walk out. The following day, literally the entire office is now, oh my goodness, we hear we bought a new car. And I went to her and I said, listen, uh, you're in HR for a purpose. I did not want people this announcement going out there if people see me in my new car they'll see me but i did not want an announcement in fact i don't like when people are looking at me and congratulating me something i don't like (laughs) and that's something that's very light um but what i always advise is listen i don't appreciate what you did it does not sit well with me and because i still want to be here i'd appreciate it if we were to maintain these boundaries um, mm-hmm. Because what you're then doing right there at the end, you are indicating your loyalty to the fan. You are indicating that you still want to be here. And that's what we would usually stick with whoever you're giving this feedback to.
0: Yeah. And so, I think you also did talk about, uh, when we started about mentorship and how that's you know, a bit of a craze, um, so to speak, within the organization, within workplace um, boundaries. And so you also mentioned that I also heard of a concept called sponsors, where you have someone who will probably mention you in a room and so on. And that's how you can, I guess a form of career development, helping you to progress as a young professional, help us understand what the difference is between the mentors and sponsors and what that looks like.
1: Yeah so let's start with a mentor because a mentor concept is a common one right so with a mentor it's anybody who sits anywhere that has walked a path that you would like to follow in so they could be a person that you meet in church who's in the environment that you're in it could be somebody that you meet wherever and you approach them and you ask them to mentor you and then you start off on a mentorship uh mentor mentee relationship so they can't influence the environment that you are in, but it's about your individual growth.
0: Mm.
1: What a sponsor is, is if you work, for example, within a big corporate, because this is where you get to see these opportunities, um, is you get somebody like a mentor, but who sits in a different um, space. So what this person does is that they mentor you um, just like your mentor would, your outside mentor would. But the difference here is that they can help you influence um, project allocation, how you progress within your career. Um, So while you are still going to have conversations with your seniors, your sponsor can also do the same thing. In fact, sometimes what sponsors do is that they will start a project where they are, speak to your senior and say, actually, I need this person to be in this project, um, and then they'll come back after that as part of your development and as part of your growth. And it's a great concept, especially given the size and the context of whatever organization that you work in. Even if you are in the entrepreneurship space, um, Mm -hmm. if you want influence, um, it's always great to have sponsors. So it's somebody who's not in competition with you, already senior, but they can influence the space um, that you are in, they can call you out for projects um, and you don't have to do all the fighting yourself. Um, <laughs> you can have them help you negotiate
0: yeah I'm assuming also to be identified by a sponsor, you need to really excel in your craft and you can make yourself noticeable
1: oh no definitely, definitely. I think there's nobody that wants to sponsor somebody that slacks or somebody yeah. who has all other issues. So that will always come in first. So, what happens is that sponsors want people they can help fast track. And for you to mm-hmm. be fast trackable, uh, you need to be excellent at what you do. Mm-hmm. So, you need to deliver in your current space, you need to show potential. Um, for further uh, development and for your career to take off, and what they then do is help you lay the play fi- the playing field in making sure that opportunities are set out for you. You don't have to do the fighting and the negotiating yourself, but your base must always be well taken care of. Mm-hmm. And I think and and, I, and 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 I think the same works with mentors and mentees. I mean, yes. if anybody that's on the call has ever had a mentor. They will tell you, if you don't call me, this meeting is not going to happen, right? So you must be the one that's hungry for development, that's hungry for coaching. Um, So you are the one that sets up the appointments. Sometimes people will ask you, why do you want me to mentor you? And based on your answer, they might choose not to um, because nobody or a person who's not going to, um, you know, keep to their promises and keep to, you know, what the two of you agree on.
0: Mm, I think also sometimes it's just uh, important to be honest with oneself to say that maybe you're not ready to be mentored as exciting as it may be um, and especially as competitive as the workplace may be sometimes it's best to be honest and do things (laughs) organically until you're ready. Um, We have another question uh, but it comes from Prince and he's saying that he joined a company at the helm of change in the whole senior management and the question is what are your best tips to remedy the obvious staff resilience moving from old management strategy
1: to the new management strategy? Sure. Uh, so let's answer it on in two ways, right? So if you are a leader in that organization, um, assuming you're raising the question because you sit somewhere in the middle, right? So you're yes. not the new leadership se, but you sit in the middle. I think if you sit in the middle is you just need to accept that you become what we call a sponge, right? <laughs> because you take the blow from the top, but you need to soften it from those that are beneath you. And that's what I always say to people, middle management is has to be the toughest role ever. Um, but so if you sit in the middle, what you then need to be able to do is, if there's nuances that you're picking up from the top, try by all means to block those from reaching the people at the bottom. Mm. And how you do that is if there's an instruction Um, that's given and it's a direct instruction and something needs to be done by next month it must be done how you present it to your juniors can't be guys. this needs to be done next week right Um, so you just need to find ways that work for you in terms of how you 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 relay um, the conversation while doing that it's playing the role as well of being an advocate for those that are beneath you um, and going back to the top and saying, we will do this. However, this is, these are some of the challenges that the employees have mentioned and they are speaking of, Um, And this is the kind of support that we would need in order for us to achieve what you've asked us to achieve. Note here that I keep referring Mm -hmm. to, we will do it. However, we just need help with these elements right whereas the union has a tendency of saying we won't do it until you pay us (laughs) Um, and it's just reframing how you say some of these things it's we're going to do it but we need one two and three in order to achieve that specific result now that is if you sit in the middle if you're on the receiving end and you're an employee my biggest my tip here would be assess and get to know what the new leadership is trying to drive. If it makes sense long-term and maybe their approach is the one that's quite flawed, I'd say stick it out. Um, Try to influence where you can, if you can, if you see the bigger picture. But I always say, (laughs) if you don't see the bigger picture and they are just uh, rude and you realize that this thing is not going to work, start planning your way out. because there's, we always need to remember our influence and be aware of it, right? So there's things that you can change, there's things that you can influence, and there's things that mm-hmm. you can't help but not have any uh, form of influence over. And in those instances, plan your way out. Um, and I use the word plan because, yeah, people have a tendency of jumping, uh, but you don't just jump because you'll find that the grass is not always green on the other side. Right. So what you want to do is plan it out.
0: Yeah, uh, we have another brilliantly answered. By the way, uh, we have another question coming from Norma Langa, saying, "How do you assist an employee struggling to adapt to a new policy?"
1: Sure. Um, so, I, so the first thing is always communicate what the policy is, but more than that, communicate why the change in policy um and i think sometimes what we do is we force people to attend the training and it's just they do understand yes 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 uh, but we lack the concept of communicating why the policy is changing what I'd advise is that share the policy with the employee have a session with them and go through the why more than the what assuming and of course we need to remember people can read right so if you say we are going to discuss this policy they'll browse through it to read it but focus on the why the policy is being changed um get get them to ask questions and if there's questions that you can't answer always promise to get back to them and get back to them because with some people what they'll do what other people do is that other people are scared of change um and they just not appreciative of change so the more you communicate the reasons behind the new policy the more it sinks in even if you leave them at, well yeah i don't agree with this policy (laughs) but yeah there's nothing we can do that's better than a person that says i don't want this policy so you'd rather leave them at okay i hear you even though I don't agree, because the expectation would not be for everybody to agree. Uh, But just emphasize the why. If you have to do that over two, three meetings, do that.
0: Mm, I think something I'm getting from most of your answers is to learn how to prioritize yourself as an employee. Learn how important you are as well, and know how to navigate the spaces, and understanding that sometimes when you want to bring change, it might have to start off subtly, and um, I think, you know, a theme that has always occurred especially in the social TikTok age, I'll say, uh Tik Twitter, TikTok, whatever social media platform, is the concept that HR doesn't care about you. But organization though, especially the organization and what prestigious it is, they don't care about you, just do your bare minimum. <laughs> Go on, go on, right? Then you have people like you who say, hey, we actually do care. Some of us actually do care. And we, we care about your well-being and we want to harness a healthy workplace culture. So how do you, what are, what what's our ROI do you have for a healthy workplace environment for organizations that we yeah. can maybe use?
1: true and and I mean we get that a lot right so I've gotten into spaces where they're like oh we didn't know HR can speak to us or you want to speak to (laughs) people and they're like why is HR talking to us I'm like why are you scared of having a conversation (laughs) with me right (laughs) and over time you try and change that by being as approachable as you can be by listening where you can be if I go back to the basis that you're employment contract is about you delivering services and us paying you that remains the base so much as i'm approachable and people speak to me i can't give you everything that you want uh you sign the content where i need to remind people of that i do um but what i've been fortunate of is that people can walk away having not received what they were looking for Mm -hmm. but they will be appreciative of the time that i i give them and Mm -hmm. The reason why I'm still in HR is this: when we speak of organizations and big organizations, the last thing we think of is people. Mm-hmm. If somebody says to you Apple, the first thing you think of is an iPhone. If somebody says, or if you see a Marvel logo, the first you know you think of a Spider-Man, right? But really, do we ever think of the people behind those mm-hmm. brands? Yeah. Just yesterday just yesterday apple launched a new product um and you know they could get swamped in in the whole media phrase and you know who what 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 what, what's bloomberg saying about us what's Forbes saying about the launch and forget to reward the people and my push has always been we are going to get that product out but for it to go out you can't do it mr ceo there's people that need to do Absolutely. it. So if we, yeah. so if we take care of these people, they will take care of the product. And what I found yeah. is that, what I found is that much as we've got rules and you know, and working hours and frameworks, a well taken care of employee will always bend their backs for a good manager.
0: Come
1: on. Um, yeah. So you'll find people working on a Sunday. Because of how well they are taken care of, and what I then do is that I remind them. So every time there's profits realized or the margin is realized at work, we speak more about EBITDA. Um, I always remind them that realize the amount of effort that people put in in you realizing this EBITDA. Um, on the softer side, we then look at you know your engagement surveys, your 360 feedbacks, and we always then your 10 over rate. Because what you want is you want what we refer to as a healthy turnover. People must leave, but there's a particular threshold that they must <laughs> not go over. Um, so those are some of the things that we measure on the softer side. But what I always remind them of is when you make the, when you meet your EBITDA targets, um, it's because of the people behind apple right um you know it's it's not it's, it's not just mr jobs that was able to you know put everything together uh it's the people behind the brand and it's how we then get to thank them it's how we get to appreciate them it's how we get to allow them to have flexible working hours because we know that if this person is at home on friday i'll get more out of them than if they're in the office it's learning those trade-offs um so if you don't have a good hr if you're running a business hey uh, i'm raising my hand um, i'll charge but i can we can definitely help you and i still believe there's a whole lot of good hr people out there uh, it's just a matter of understanding the concept of business and understanding people and how do we get the two to work together because the extreme of either side does not work
0: yeah um, just in, to compliment what you said, Conrad, um, says that where it's um, and it said that an organ, where an organisation is bad, it's not the organisation but the people in positions that are not living the culture of the organisation. And for you, we have a question from Boucher, she's asking, you know, are there some memorable, pleasurable experiences you've had just talking to an employee where you think, you know what, I'm actually really good. I'm really going to write up. <laughs>
1: Okay, of course you didn't
0: say that but something that really <laughs> touched your heart and, and just gave you a stronger why
1: no definitely um so one organization that i'm you know sometimes i don't mention the organizations that i've worked for but the one organization that i'm never scared of mentioning and that's where i started my career is sa breweries and when i joined that organization and for the five years that i was there a well-oiled machine uh, it ran like a well-oiled machine quite brilliant It's getting feedback from people saying, yo, you took me on as a learner. I've just received um, an offer for a sales manager role. I'll never forget what you did for me. Um, And that um, I never forget. Um, There's one guy, so there's one manager that taught me how to find the best salespeople. So while we were working for SA Breweries and we ask everybody that's listening to send through their CVs, um, I was working in Limpopo, uh, it's in the rural areas. And he stopped me one day and he said, you see that guy that's selling, so what this guy was selling is this waterless uh, wash, car wash material and spray. So you don't need water, just spray it on your car and, um, and wash it. And he said to me, let's walk to that guy. Just as we were about to walk past that guy, that guy tried to sell us the spray. And of course he said, no, we don't want it. But it was his tenacity that uh, that that he showed off. And after that, my boss asked me and said to me, what do you think? I'm like, if he can sell the spray, he can definitely sell beer. And we definitely hired that person. Uh-oh uh six months later so of course we hire the person and we just have you to fill in the numbers six months later he comes back to me and he says to me i just got back from this course i just want to thank you because you picked me up from the streets and brought me into this environment and now i'm learning a whole lot more than i thought i i would have and it's those little things that um remind you of your that that remind me of my why And the other one, of course, is when a senior manager uh, shows the level of trust. Um, And when a senior person says to me, I know I can trust you with this, I I run with it, right? I I take pride in that. And the few times where I've had that, um, it just gives me this warm feeling that I'm doing something right. Because a lot of organizations are not pro-HR. So when a senior manager who's in core business says to me, I can trust you with this, right? Uh, I'm like, sure, let's run with it. It's those little things that keep me where I am. Um, and I'll yeah. continue to explore this space for as much as I can.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely beautiful. Uh, we have another question from tv if I said it correctly. Uh he's asking, what advice would you have for an introverted employee around building relationships and being visible? oftentimes corporate demands want to be extroverted which puts others in disadvantaged positions is it really extroverted or just being able to <laughs> to, to to defend your cause <laughs> what is it I'm
1: listen i think i think he is right in terms of uh, the practice mm-hmm. extroverted employees mm-hmm. are good at uh, galvanizing people and being getting things done loudly right and uh, it's not that introverts can't do it so extroverts are good at doing it loudly so when we think of a promotion what the first person that comes to mind is he who did it loudly and that's what extroverts are good at and that's the advantage they've got in my experience i have seen people that are brilliant at interviews and while we were still learning uh, a couple of months later or two years later you're like shucks this was a bad hire, right? <laughs> so and, so, what, so, so what, what it then did is that it taught me to differentiate between what this question emphasizes. For extroverts, my advice would be be good at what you do and learn how to sell yourself. Even if it's not in a group setup, do it with individuals. For example, if you know somebody who's influential and I've done this before where... I'm not a smoker myself, but there's a specific person that I worked under who was a smoker. Every time I walked into his office, he would give me this look, like he would look over his glasses on some, what do you want, right? And a strategy that I then developed is that my office was right across the smoking area. And if I wanted something, I would walk to him. So if I see him going to the smoking area, I would walk there because apparently smokers are very relaxed when they are smoking and this would be on a one-on-one so i'd say build relationships with the right people on a one-on-one you don't have to be the loudest you don't have to attend all drinking sessions um, but find space with the in the right individuals talk about soccer so you won't win by sitting at your desk uh, every day (laughs) you definitely won't win but find ways of, you know, following that one person to the coffee station and having conversations about football, which will hopefully then lead into, actually, what do you do? Uh, What projects are you working on? And hopefully they then get to know what you are working on and what you are busy with. So even if you are introverted, the importance of re- building relationships remain con- remains constant. Um, the approach will definitely be different. Um, and I mean, to your to your question as to if it's really the case in many of the organizations, the extroverted leaders are the ones that call. The introverted leader would not randomly say on Friday, we're going out drinking. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> and that's why they are popular. Um, but for introverts, I'd say build relationships on a one-on-one capacity. People will still appreciate you, people will still remember how you make them feel, and always, always make noise about the work that you do.
0: Uh,
1: I ha- I had this line in a movie and I use it all the time. So people have a tendency, and introverts have a tendency of saying, My work will speak for itself. Guys, work does not speak, people do if you don't tell people what you've been doing what you've thrived in and what you've delivered they will forget so it's important for you to tell the right people what you've achieved and what you are working on once it's completed you are lucky if you work for a boss that will recognize your potential just Mm -hmm. by your delivery you are fortunate but in many circumstances you will have to sell yourself if you're introvert on, on a one-on-one basis you don't have to make noise um and you don't have to speak in every meeting please
0: <laughs> i love that so much see for it's been absolutely incredible having those conversations it's just so crazy how an hour passes by so quickly um and in one line how can people regardless of the generation thrive in the workplace
1: Sure. Um, I'll go to what Stephen Stephen Covey speaks of. If you want to thrive, whatever generation you are in, build trust. And he has a form. He has a formula where he speaks of what it takes to build trust. And he says it's an addition of credibility, reliability, and intimacy. Mm. And then divide that by uh, your self orientation. With credibility, it's what you know. What are you good at? Invest time in what you're good at and what you can deliver. With reliability, it's deliver on the small promises. If you say you're going to give it to me on Friday, give it to me on Friday. Um, if you say you can achieve something, do it. It doesn't matter how small it is. And that's on reliability. And then there's intimacy. This is where I spoke about, can your client say they can trust you? can they start opening up to you? Can they? Can your boss walk to you and you say, hey, my boss is frustrating me. I don't know what I'm going to do. If you can get to that point and then you've got self-orientation, which is being aware of self, but not being about yourself, um, then you get to win, right? So I know who I am. I know the boundaries. I know what I can do, uh, but I'm still going to, deliver it the way the client wants it delivered. Because people Mm -hmm. that lack self-orientation are the people that we always say they need to attend emotional intelligence. Um, So they want things done their way all the time. And there's a difference between knowing who you are and how you deliver to the clients that you have. So in any generation, in any environment, be it your entrepreneurial journey, be it your work environment, learn to build trust and that is, Credibility, reliability, intimacy with a touch of self orientation. That was not one line.
0: Closed it like yeah. a proper <laughs> HR professional. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to. And um, yeah, someone says, I'll be telling my boss I don't carry boxes, boundaries. <laughs> it's, it's been amazing. And thank you to everyone who's uh, been actively asking questions if you haven't answered your question i'm sure there'll be a part two wink wink um that we'll be discussing and thank you to everyone have a pleasant night and thank you so much Siko, for being such a gift to the world
1: thank you very much this has been a good 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 uh space to be in
0: awesome all right Bye.
1: thank you bye <laughs>